basic skill that can not only be improved and mastered, but it's a foundational building block for all your other skills. Today on Adventure Rider Radio's exclusive rider skills program, we're talking methods and ideas to help improve your riding skills. And on this one, we've got Jimmy Lewis talking about one of the first things he teaches to his students, and that's balance. My name is Jim Martin. This is Adventure Rider Radio. Stay with us. we got a good one for you. Best Rest Products is where the number one tire pump in the business for us motorcyclists comes from. It's called the Cycle Pump, made in the USA, has lifetime warranty. They also distribute the Google Tech filters for North America. The website, cyclepump.com. That's Best Rest Products at cyclepump.com. Green Chili Adventure Gear, making American-made heavy-duty innovative luggage systems for all types of motorcycles. You can turn any dry bag into luggage using the strapping system. Um, Great system. As a matter of fact, all the stuff they make is super tough. I've tried tons of it myself. The website, greenchiliadv.com. That's greenchiliadv.com. They've been doing it since 2002. That's Outfitting Adventure Riders. And they have got a load, I mean the full load of parts and accessories online that they can ship to your door. MaxBMW.com. Get their e-rider newsletter. It's free. MaxBMW.com. That's M-A-X-B-M-W.com. Hi, I'm Sam Manning. I'm Phil. Ted Simon. Austin Vance. And you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. is an exclusive program we developed here at Adventure Rider Radio designed to give you tools that can improve your riding skills both on and off-road. Now, of course, this segment is not meant to be a substitute for professional training. These are ideas and concepts that should you choose to try, you're doing so at your own risk. Today, we have ex-racer and now trainer Jimmy Lewis. Jimmy's been riding since he was eight years old. He's a Dakar podium finisher, a double class, a single and uh, twin cylinder winner, a four times ISDE gold medalist. He's an overall winner at the Baja 1000, overall winner at the Dubai rally. He's worked as the off-road editor for Cycle World magazine and more. And now retired from professional racing, Jimmy now runs the Jimmy Lewis Off-Road Riding School along with his wife, Heather. Uh, my name is Jimmy Lewis. I'm a washed up ex-motorcycle racer, uh, farmer. Well, I kind of still do a little we don't call magazines anymore, but product testing, editing, things like that. And currently an off-road uh, rider trainer with my own school out here in Pahrump, Nevada. Jimmy, welcome to Adventure Rider Radio. Thank you. Yeah, I'm super excited to be here. A few friends told me uh, I should I should seek you out, and I did. And uh, I'm excited to talk to a whole new audience. A, a washed up. <laughs> so you describe yourself. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, unfortunately I did kind of have, we'll call it career ending injuries. I, I injured my wrists racing in Dakar in 2001, pretty bad. I mean, it took me about three years to fully realize how bad they were, but, um, mm. it just never allowed me to ride at the level that I wanted to, you know, compete at the top level because 
when you when your hands open up and it's unexpectedly for certain reasons and and you can't hang on like you're used to um it's uh it was it was bad but um i always kind of said you know hey i, I got a long <laughs> i got a long life out of them and, and and they're still you know they still work pretty good so um yeah i can't i can't really race anymore although i do occasionally go we'll call it ride races um so yeah i'm washed up well, where do you get into riding like in your life? Is this something you've done since you were a kid? Yes. Um, well, I mean, I didn't really start super early. I probably started when I was uh, nine or so, nine, 10. And I just, I mean, I rode BMX bikes when I was a kid and I, I always had an, a kind of a, a, you know, a love of two wheels and a couple of my friends had mini bikes. And I remember I liked, I liked them for their mini bikes. <laughs> you know, I wanted to be their friend so I could try to ride their mini bikes. And, you know, my first ride, I, I tell the story, my first ride was right into the side of my friend's mom's car. Um, you know, cause, cause I had to tell them, oh yeah, I know how it works. And it was, you know, a, a little Honda 50 and it had the, you know, the auto transmission and I put the thing in the gear and turned the throttle and it didn't go any place cause I still hadn't released the gear lever and I'm kind of turning the throttle. And when I finally released it, it shot right into the side of the car and I had to bounce off, deflect off of it and kind of keep going like I knew what I was doing. I was never going to get another chance. And uh, from that moment, <laughs> uh, I still get the same feeling when I hop on a motorcycle. <laughs> Hopefully not the impact feeling, just the no, other sensation. No, the, the, no, the, the excitement. Yeah, I the was going to say a rider is born right there. You know, that's, yeah, that's it. Yeah. You're, you're on, on two wheels, motorized two wheels. So yeah, that's how it, that's how it all started. Um, you know, grew up racing. Uh, well, I, I, I trail rode. And my dad noticed how much I liked it and thought, man, maybe, you know, it'd be fun to go do some racing because, of course, you're a kid. You want to do what the cool kids are doing. And they were racing. And, you know, I was looking at the magazines and I wanted to be those guys. So kind of my, my trajectory was set. And luckily, I was pretty successful with the racing, um, you know, through motocross and uh, and then switch. I transitioned over into off-road. A motocross actually got a little bit boring for me. And uh, in reality, I... I wasn't as good at it as I wanted to be. Uh, so I got kind of frustrated, but off-road, I was doing really well at off-road racing and started frankly making a living doing it. Um, was, you know, I was a factory rider for KTM, uh, and, um, it was factory rider for a couple different companies. Um, and in doing that, I also started doing, uh, photo modeling for magazines. You know, I was a quote magazine test writer or photo model. It's funny because, you know, you hear like guys are test writers or photo models in the beginning, you know, um, I wanted to be the guy on the cover of magazines in the pictures in the magazines. And, you know, since I was a good writer and some of my friends were doing it, I'm like, I, I want to do that too. And believe it or not, the, the path is, is it all kept me in school the whole time um, because I wanted to learn, you know, how to do whatever the guys that were at the magazine. So I didn't know what they were doing that makes sense mm -hmm. what the editors were doing and uh but i also was able to keep medical insurance because i stayed in school while i was racing and that's probably the main reason i stayed in school and i came out at the other end of it um getting a job at psych world magazine as a off-road editor and and kind of so I, I i found a new way to support my bad habit so even after racing was was done and even while racing was going on um i was able to keep motorcycles underneath me, which isn't cheap at my level. When, I mean, if, if, if YouTube was around when you were a kid and got on that, on that mini bike, which it wasn't, and you're lucky because that would come back to haunt you over and over again. But if YouTube was around and you, and you saw that video of that kid glancing off the car, 
Like, what was it that changed with you, with your riding that all of a sudden you're getting into professional riding? Yeah. What it showed was ambition. I'll do anything to, to, to ride. And that's, 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 uh, but as far as the talent goes, I mean, nobody has any talent when they, when they very first start something. I mean, when you, when you first time you hop on a motorcycle, I don't think everybody's experience a lot of times is if they can remember back that far is probably not like, oh, this is great. This, I, you know, everything seems like it works. I mean, you're doing something that's actually quite awkward. You know, you're, you're, you know, if you, if you have, you know, if you, if you've been on a bicycle, you know, you're pedaling and your feet were always spinning where now we're on fixed foot pegs. Um, if you're used to driving a car and all of a sudden now you're shifting with your foot and you're, you're doing your throttle with your hand. I mean, it's motorcycles are, are, are kind of awkward and very unique in how we operate them. So, um, I, I don't, you know, it's, you, you have to learn it. So I don't think anybody's first experience is ever that, uh, you know, I, I watch it all the time. I see people, you know, like that's what I'm in the training business now. And I see people that come in luckily, um, we're not luckily, no, luckily, that there are schools and stuff that focus more on, you know, beginner, you know, rank beginner riders that have a very good system to build them up and teach them that that thing, that two wheeled thing with all those weird controls, the motorcycle, they teach them how to ride that. And then hopefully once they, you know, kind of get a command for it, that's when they come see us. Mm. I'm glad you said that because it's so easy to think that there's something wrong with me because I find this so awkward or I found this, find this so difficult or having so much trouble mastering the skill. Um, and it's nice to know that somebody that has ridden and raced at your level, had, you started out the same way. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, some people take to it quicker and some people it's just hard to, and I think, and, and we've learned the more relaxed and comfortable your learning environment is the, 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 the more, less pressure there is. And I see it, we see it a lot with like, you know, maybe husband wives, <laughs> which mm. is probably, probably the best example, which we like to separate. You know, we like to say, okay, you go, you're both paying for this school. You go over here and you come over here and we'll, we'll, you know, you're not allowed to teach each other because you weren't very good at that and we'll, we'll work on it. But, or, or, you know, or, you know, um, parent child, same thing. There's, there's just that extra attachment and, you know, cause th- th- there's so much desire for, for the person to want to learn and the, the person to want to teach them and everybody wants to get better faster and it gets stressful. And it's like, maybe, you know, this is, this is a tough skill set to master. There's a lot of things going on. Hey, how, how did you transition from racing to teaching? Um, I, <laughs> that's it. That's I, so I always, you know, since I was a faster racer, people would always come and ask me, Hey, you know, what, what can I do to, to be better? What are, how do you, how did you train practice? What are you doing? And it got to the point where, you know, some, some people would come and say, Hey, can we pay you for a lesson? So I was doing like just a little bit on the side. Like I think a lot of racers do, you know, helping kind of friends and they would, they would sort of pay you. But the kind of the, the, the turning point was, um, when I first started racing for BMW back in, in, uh, 1999, uh, a bunch of, uh, very well-to-do, uh, they were venture capitalists, which I didn't even know what they were from the Silicon Valley. One of them got a hold of me and said, Hey, you're racing that BMW, which is the 900 RR and which looked kind of like a, you know, a 1200 GS or at that time an 1100 GS. And they were like, uh, you know how to ride that thing in the dirt. We want to ride it in the dirt and, uh, we want you to teach us. And I'm like, I don't, I'm not sure if that's, and they're like, no, we don't care. You know, what, what is it going to cost? And I'm, you know, gave them a, I mean, I wish I would have shot the number up a little bit higher in the time, (laughs) but I, I shot them an offer. They threw all their bikes in a truck. 
flew into Vegas, rolled out in a limousine because we did it out on a dry lake bed because from the little bit of training I learned and I knew how difficult these bikes were to ride. And this is, I don't think the term adventure riding had really been coined yet. You know, it was sort of like, I'm a guy that wants to ride my GS in the dirt. Maybe not the smartest idea, but I've seen guys like Helge Peterson do it. So I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, it it was, it was back to that level. I read Ted Simon's book. I'm going to, I'm going to go, you know, do around the world tours. And, uh, uh, it went pretty well. I mean, these guys, I mean, they, they were, they were very intimidated and scared of everything, you know, especially like sand, which everybody is on a big bike. And they went away feeling like they learned something. And the one guy who arranged it, a guy named David Park, he said, you really need to be teaching motorcycle riding is you're, you're natural at it. You're good. And I was like, really? You know, I didn't, I didn't think I had anything special. And he, he, he kind of, he kind of talked me into starting a school. He goes, you should really, you should really do this. So, uh, my wife and I, um, kind of started going out to Nevada a couple times a year and arranging, you know, setting up classes. And that's by, you know, by the end of 99, uh, we were a full on riding school. Do you go and, and do some sort of um, yearly or semi-yearly or something training or something elsewhere, or do you build your own schools within your school or own skills within your school? Yeah, so our so our skill our school is is kind of we have pretty unique and 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 very um, very basic drills, but they're they're only basic if you if somebody says, oh yeah, Jimmy Lewis teaches balance and he's going to teach you how to initiate a turn or something like that. But it, it's it's the very core basics. And they go to level infinity with difficulty. So we don't, I don't, our school does not have a, um, you know, like an advanced class. Our, our basic class is our advanced class because even when I work with very high level riders and I work with some, when we're working on their skill set, it's never the very difficult, challenging, you know, this very unique skill that they're trying to work on. They're screwing up on one of the basics. You know, they're, they're having an issue with, you know, balance, traction, you know, clutch control, throttle control, you know, brake control, little, little things that always roll back to something that's kind of rolled up in the basic. So, uh, we've, and as we've taught, we've evolved back into that, you know, really working on the, the basic stuff. And the drills are kind of designed by my wife and myself. My wife, Heather is a forensic scientist for a living. That's her real day job. And so she's very analytical uh, and, and a high level rider herself, she's able to kind of break stuff down And between the two of us. We can talk about where we see people struggle and then we can roll it back into, into a drill so that they can, you know, our, our kind of one of our things is, is we want you to take an out of control situation and put it into a controlled environment. And whether that out of control is, I feel like I'm going to fall over or I want to go faster or I want to ride using less energy. And, and then we can roll it into something that's, that's very easy to, um, find a way to practice so that, and then, and then the collectively all these skills, when you, when you say, Hey, I want to ride, you know, up this, uh, rutted uphill, you can break down the skill sets you'll need so that you know what it's going to take to accomplish that task. And and I always say, you know, when you look at something, if you're not, a, especially on an adventure bike, if you're not a hundred percent certain you can ride up, down, through, over, across that, then don't do it. It, it you know, you need to be a hundred percent certain. And, you know, we all ride up to something and you feel that tense. Oh, I don't know. That's telling you to stop. You know, that's why brakes are so important. 
So you're a firm believer that basics are everything, really. I mean, is there an advanced skill, though, or is it all derivatives of basic skills? It's, it's all derivatives of basic skills, or at least your, your platform. And so our, our kind of, our, you know, if I kind of break our teaching down in the, the simplest things, there's two primary things that determine everything you do in your motorcycle, and it's balance and then traction. And so the more, the more balance you have, the more in balance you are, the more you're in control or you have a feeling for the traction. And, and, and that's the thing that's unique about, especially once you get into off-road and dirt is you're, you're never going to have a hundred percent traction. It's always going to be a factor thereof. And so the more traction you get, the, the better things tend to work and the more you understand it, how everything works. And then I can explain what a motorcycle does no matter what it's doing in four very simple steps. And it, a motorcycle can accelerate, it can decelerate, you can initiate a turn and then you can control a turn. And anything a bike does, I can explain it in those four things. Now, when you're, when you're, uh, I, I always say always up to an intermediate level rider, you only want to be doing one of those things at a time. So you don't want to accelerate and decelerate at the same time, or you don't want to initiate the turn while you're still braking. And that's one that everybody, you know, kind of messes up on. And you don't want to be accelerating while you're still controlling a turn. You know, you can, but all of a sudden you're blurring the lines and you're getting into, and, and that, at that point you have to have incredible reaction time and, and super high level control of all the aspects of the bike to, to make that pay off for you. In other words, be better than not doing one thing at a time. Um, and that's where practice comes in. So in, in kind of breaking the, the riding down into such simple steps, we have to have ways to teach each one of those, um, ingredients so you can practice it and get, so it becomes instinctive. So when I'm riding and all of a sudden, you know, a dog jumps out in front of me, I don't go, uh, throttle clutch, uh, get my weight over the back, apply the brakes. Or, and then do I apply the front brake first or everything that I just said happens instinctively and my eyes are going, where am I going next? So the riding becomes instinctive, you know, so even when I'm riding along and the bike does something unsettling, like I feel the, you know, the bike shimmy or shake because of the gravel or something like that. I, I don't think about, oh, the bike shaking. My body just naturally tries to, you know, stay loose, keep itself balanced and then you know, depending on the situation, do I, you know, apply a little throttle or should I decelerate and slow down? You know, those are the, it's, it's actually, when you start thinking about it, riding is very, very simple. It's just how, you know, the reactions that to those, those feelings should be instinctive, kind of like balance is instinctive. So, I mean, this isn't um, all that unusual because if you look at athletes, you'll, you'll often see a coach that will take them back to basics. Maybe, you know, a basketball player, have them shoot baskets, you know, one after another after another to get that basic skill, to hone that basic skill. And, and really what you're saying is, you know, once you, once you get your basic skills, what you need after that is time. You need to start putting fuel in the tank and going out there and working those basic skills. So, I mean, yeah, and practice. everything else is built from that. Exactly. Practice the basics. And then, and as, as they become instinctive, you, you almost forget that you're practicing them. You're just doing them and then you can start working on the next level that, so we, we always say if there's, you know, 10 levels and you're at level four, you can't go to level six without, you know, doing level five, because if you forget it at level seven, that whatever part of that 
drill or technique at level five that you missed will come back to haunt you. Mm-hmm. And if, if you miss level two, you know, something it's in everything or balance and traction or one and two, if you miss level one or level two, that's going to come back to haunt you, um, in, in ways that you probably may not even realize. Well, let's talk about balance. I, I know you start your courses with balance. Um, what What is balance and what does it mean to us as riders? Well, the good thing is, is we've evolved. We're not dragging our knuckles on the ground or, you know, using our you know, hands to balance us uh, that much. And so, and most people don't think about it. The, from the minute you get out of bed in the morning, you stand up on your feet and you start walking around. I mean, some of us may be a little bit slower than when we were younger. But we, we, we do that. We, we walk around and it, and it's amazing what is, what is going on in your, in your body. You know, just the stuff that you're, the amount of control that your feet have. So your feet are very good balance sensors, your butt, mm, not so much. That's why you feel so comfortable and so relaxed sometimes when you sit down, because you get to turn off all of those sensors that are, you know, controlling your balance. It gives your, it gives your you know, your, your, your nervous system, a little bit time to relax. When you are riding a motorcycle, if you want the maximum amount of control, you probably want to be standing up and on your foot pegs and, you know, putting the weight down into the motorcycle through the foot pegs. And we, we, we demonstrate and kind of explain a lot of that in detail. And it does take us a, a little bit of time, but people are very uncomfortable and afraid to be standing up on their motorcycle. And in fact, a lot of bikes, you know, especially adventure bikes are not really set up for the stand up riding position, even though, you know, you, you see a lot of riders, you know, trying to stand up and when they stand up, they're not really standing up and they're not in balance. Um, they're, they've got weight on their handlebars and they're using their hands to hang on. So unless I see somebody walking around with a walker, you know, previous to the class, I'm looking around, I'm watching before the class even starts. I'm watching, I'm like, everybody in this class has enough balance to ride the motorcycle and operate it properly. No problem. And, you know, we've taught guys with one hand and guys with one foot (laughs) before. So even with that kind of a disability or disadvantage, um, this stuff still works. You have to, you have to compensate for some of their stuff, but you know, we find people climb on the motorcycle and literally I'm talking about climbing on it. And from the, from the, from the get go, their bike is never, ever in balance, nor are they ever in balance because they're, they're connected to their motorcycle, the, the way they sit on it, the way that they hang, hold on to it with their hands. Um, so it, it is a, it is a real problem. And if your problem starts there, you can do everything that you want to, to train and, and it's, it's gonna, you're always going to run into this hurdle. Well, um, and, and the thing is riding a motorcycle, there's so much to it. And as a, a new person getting on a bike or even someone who's ridden for a lot of years and not really improved their skills, just kept riding at the same level, there's still a lot going on there. So it's understandable how somebody can get on and sort of be all over the, the, the bike rather than being total control. And I like what you're saying because, you know, you're breaking it down to those basic steps. So, so let's go back to the balance just as you do when you're starting a course. Um, one of the things I was going to mention about balance that some people may not realize is that your balance can actually be improved. Now, I've heard people say before that, uh, oh, I've just got horrible balance. I've never had good balance. Okay. You might have a medical you know, thing or maybe some sort of muscle issue. I, I don't know that that might cause that. But I think most times it's just that you haven't really worked with your balance enough. You, you, you haven't, you haven't practiced it. And right. so right like in the class, we have these little balance boards that we started building and using. And it's essentially, it's a, it's a round fence post 
with a with a either a two by four or a sheet of plywood on top of it, depending. We have a couple different versions of it because one simulates more like a foot peg and the way. But we actually have people stand on that even before they get to work on their boat uh, on their motorcycle. And the reason we do that is because it wakes up your balance sensors. All of a sudden, the ground underneath you is moving because the motorcycle is going to move a little bit. And 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 this this is only doing the side to side movement in in reality. But it, we found that. Because we always have our first tip over and our very first drill out in, you know, out in the front yard here where, where, we, where we do our thing. And we're having people tip over. But we started doing this balance board thing. And all of a sudden, the tip overs in the front yard, you know, stopped. Oh, but wow. it, it wakes – it literally wakes up. You're, you know, all of a sudden you're like, whoa, that, it doesn't feel uncomfortable, but you stand on this thing for, you know, a couple of minutes and play with it. And most people try to just hop right onto it. They literally stand on and they go try to right to go to, you know, balancing. And we're like, no, 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 sneak up on it, walk up to it and put one foot down on it because we can all stand and balance on it. Most of us pretty well can stand and balance on one foot just on level ground, but then slowly transfer your weight over it and slowly bring the board into balance. So, so we use this, it's, it's exactly what you're talking about. It's just, you know how to do it. You've done it all your life. You just don't think about it, but think about it for a second and then, and then wake those balance sensors up and then we go out and we start working with the motorcycle. So when you have somebody come into a class, you're starting first off, what's the first exercise you do after that? So you're doing your balance exercise on these devices that you've made up. Maybe we can talk more about that at the end so people can have an idea of how to make one for themselves. Where do you go next? Yeah. So, so we go straight into basically having people, you know, balance their motorcycle. So they're standing on the ground and we're, we have them take it off the center stand or side stand and get it, get the bike into balance. So they're only using and just one finger of energy to control the bike. So okay, that hang on a second. So, so some people I think are going to think, well, this is kind of a parlor trick, Jimmy. You're not, this isn't me balancing. <laughs> this is me balancing my bike. Uh, it is you balancing your bike, but if your bike isn't balanced and you know, you are going to do something with it, it's going to knock you over or it's going to help knock you over. So you're and using your you, balance to, to balance the bike. Well, I want everything to be, you know, I, I, when, when you're riding at high levels, you need to be, I'll call it disconnected from the motorcycle. We always say, if you're doing it right, you should feel like you can let go of the handlebars Mm. and which I don't recommend. Don't let go of the handlebars, (laughs) but, but in, and, and so, so you're, if your bike is not balanced, when you let go of the handlebars, I promise you bad things will happen. You know, so, so just from the get go, I want you to get comfortable with it. And it's, it has to do with some proprioception and muscle memory. And, and I trust, trust you got to listen to Heather <laughs> to, to explain some of these things. Cause she's, she, she can break it down, you know, a lot better. I'm just the. Well, just, just to break it down yeah. quickly, we, we've got three different areas that we balance from, right? We've got our inner ear, our, our vestibular, uh, we've got a visual system and then your somatic, which is what you're talking about, the proprioceptors. Um, yep. And, and that's your, your ability to recognize where your body is sort of in space. Is That's right, isn't it? Right. 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 So we're using those three areas to, to balance all the time. Yeah, it's funny because this is when we get these questions in the class and we do all the time. This is when Heather pipes right up and starts explaining because I can do all this stuff and I can explain the drills and stuff. And then she'll start, she'll go, she'll dive right into that and explain exactly which sense you're using and how you're using it. And and then it you know comes down to things like how far forward do I look and what am I looking at when I do this? And 
and all that, you know, stuff. So we can take this stuff that's, that's extremely complex and try to break it down into something simple. But if you want to go down complex Boulevard, yeah. um, we, we have and that. And Heather's a teacher to, as well. She's, she's there teaching with you. She, yep. She's at the schools as well. Most of the time she's here and, and, um, you know, it, as, as qualified, uh, as I am, if not more, you know, when, when it comes to, to doing all this stuff and, and when people see, you know, her and she's, maybe five, six, uh, you know, hopping on, you know, my KTM 1090 with a tall seat and riding it around. They're like, how, how does she, how does she do that? But it's, it's all the, it's the skills. So back to the balance and why we, why we do it is because I want you to get comfortable with your bike being perfectly in balance and know what it feels like, not only when you're on the bike, but when you're off the bike. Because if you think about it, if you're standing on one side or the other, and we, we do the thing like they do at the BMW Heckling School, a lot of times we'll have people walk around their motorcycle, keeping it in balance, which is pretty difficult. Um, another polar trick, essentially. But everybody's comfortable having the bike lean on them. But having it lean away, people are very uncomfortable because it's going to fall over and there's nothing to, quote, catch it. Mm-hmm. But if you let it lean on you a little bit too much, it'll knock you over. It's probably safer if you let it fall away from you, you know, because it's not at least going to hit you at that point. But so it's just it's just a way to kind of to wake up again. It's just like another drill to wake up some of the the senses so you know what it feels like. And so instead of really having to pull on it or push on it or brace yourself against the bike or have the kickstand down even when you get on it, because that's the next thing we're going to do is just get on the motorcycle. If it's a little bit out of balance it's going to make it tough, especially when you're loaded up with panniers and you have weight kind of placed high on the motorcycle. If that bike starts getting a little bit out of balance while you're getting on it, um, you're going to, you're going to struggle. And I'm I'm not just talking about people with short legs. I see people with long legs have the exact same problem. They just have a little bit of an advantage at that time. So, so when, when you're, when you're walking around trying to balance your bike, um, basically you're doing that exercise, you're walking around, the bike is off the kickstand, it's balanced and you're maintaining the balance by lightly touching it here and there. Is there a trick to this? Um, no, it's just, I think I, I've rarely seen people that practice it, have a difficult time with it. So it's just, it's just getting comfortable with it. It's again, it's like if you were shooting hoops, you know, if you've the first, the first time you throw the basketball, you're probably not going to swish it. Mm -hmm. Right. And, uh, but after you practice, you learn, you know, what, what kind of energy it takes to throw it, how far it's the same thing with, with the motorcycle. And from this, we move right on to, you know, actually getting on the bike without upsetting its balance, not with a kickstand. Now we're not climbing on the bike. We want you to, to, you know, realize how to, you know, keep everything in balance because now you're doing some gymnastics and some ballet, you know, and there's some, there's even tricks to it about how you pivot at your hips and lean over. I mean, people will get right up next to their motorcycle and try to get onto it. And I actually start but to, to describe it. I'm holding my motorcycle looking, you know, backwards towards the back of the motorcycle off to the side, almost a full, you know, you know, arm's length away from it. And I literally take a step and then kind of, kind of, I would almost say karate kick you know, my way onto the bike. And then when my leg hits the bike at that point, I can almost let go with my hand and I'm sitting there balancing it one foot on the ground. And then now one, you know, leg on the motorcycle. And this is even before my foot gets over to the other side of the foot peg, because on my bikes, I run tall seats, even though I only have a 28 inch inseam, I can't flat foot or touch both feet on the ground, nor would I ever want to, because in my very idealized way of teaching, if, I'm, if I have both feet on the ground, I'm out of control. You know, there's no reason to ever have two feet on the ground. And I don't ride with my feet on the ground, so I ride with my feet on the foot pegs. 
Why are you out of control if you have two feet on the ground? Because you're going wherever that bike is going and you can't get away from it. Mm-hmm. You've given you, up, you have, you've, you've given up two you, contact points. You've, you've given up. Well, the, the one very important one, which is one at the bottom of your feet to, to be able to ideally to be able to control it. Because if you have a foot on the foot peg, you have some influence at a good leverage point and it'd be able to use all your weight to control that. Cause you're going to, you're going to push down hard enough to take your weight off the seat. Just like, you know, when they say, when you're going around a turn, you want to have all your weight on that outside foot peg. Mm-hmm. We've all heard that. And, 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 and everybody's felt it too. When you do that, when you push down the outside foot peg, all of a sudden you get better traction. There's a, there's a reason for that physics, physics reasons for it. That's kind of difficult to explain, but it's, it's true. But having, having your weight on, on a foot peg and teaching yourself from the beginning do not throw the rudders out. Do not, because that's everybody's go-to. And you watch it just when you watch riders, the minute they come into sand, their, their, their butts on the seat and their legs are out. And then the bike starts wobbling around and it's taking not only the bike's weight and shaking it around, it's shaking you around too. And now you're hanging onto the handlebars and you become a giant pendulum. Mm-hmm. And so the bars throw you one way and the back of the bike throws the other. And then you correct and you just start doing this oscillation. And it's, it's no surprise to me that, you know, when I can watch somebody ride up into gravel and, and if I see the legs come off, it's like, okay, you, you've started the process of crashing from the minute the feet come off the foot pegs. Um, and even if you're sitting down and you, you don't take your feet off the foot pegs, that's good. And, and, and a good rider, you know, a high level rider, when something starts going wrong, they will do what we call a dab. They will, they will, they will take, you know, the, the one foot comes off in order to, you know, they're, they're going to make a correction, but at least at that point, they still have the control of the bikes. And that's not to say you can't put a lot of energy into the handlebars or a lot of energy into, you know, controlling the bike when you need to, but you don't want to ride like that all the time. Mm. And so the the, the, the dab is almost like, um, it's like buying a moment of time, isn't it? Is it more than a correction? That's how I always pictured. I always pictured as, you know, you've bought yourself just a little bit more time at that angle to get done what you wanted to do. Yeah. And, and, in, in, in very, if you watch, you know, really high level riders when they do a dab or when, if both of their feet come off, that's, that's their hail Mary move. That's the one last thing that they're going to do right before things go wrong. And a lot of times the reason that a good high level rider, that both their feet come off is that is their weight was already suspended off the motorcycle or disconnected from the motorcycle. And when the feet come off, the feet don't go for the ground the weight goes down onto the seat of the motorcycle and it's one last gasp for traction. They're going to use all their weight to get the traction and they're going to time it with a burst of energy from the bike to hopefully launch them back into balance. So mm. it's a very timed and coordinated maneuver that, that, that doesn't look very graceful, but I guarantee you it's, 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 it's everything they can do to get themselves another chance to, to go into, you know, to get traction again. That's interesting because it's the one time when you're going to sit down on purpose, like you would as an amateur, like you would as a beginner, you can flop <laughs> yeah, but, yourself but back down. But, but it's done completely, it's completely totally different. It's, it's, right. it's, a, it's a, it's a, it's not calculated. It's an instinctive response. It's like, I need to, it's like, like I said, Hail Mary. It's a, I need, I, everything's going wrong. I'm going to give myself one last thing. And, and if you start watching and you can watch a lot of the, you know, the high level extreme enduro riders, trials riders, not so much because they don't have a seat to sit down on, you know, and, <laughs> but, but you watch these guys when they, when they kind of plop down, it's timed with a burst of you know, energy to kind of, to give them a second chance to get back up. And so they bounce down off the seat and then they try to put their feet right back on the foot pegs 
or they bounce off the seat and things are going wrong, then you see them eject off the motorcycle. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I was so going to say, when that if, happens to me, I always come out of that thinking, well, that was lucky. Whatever happened there was lucky. Uh, <laughs> I and yeah, I think stay up. <laughs> it, it, for, for, for a high level guy, it is lucky. You know, I mean, it, you, you never wanted to get into that situation. A high level rider will not put both feet out um, for any purpose while riding other than saving the inevitable. take just a short break to thank some sponsors that helped make this episode possible. And I want to tell you that we have a, a vetting process for advertisers. We only accept advertisers that we feel have great products and services and have a good reputation and track record doing what they do. It's why I'm proud to be associated with the companies that you hear us talk about on this show. And, and I hope to introduce you to some companies and some products that you can buy with confidence. Anyway, stay with us because we got a lot more coming up after the break. The biggest Overland event in North America is no doubt Overland Expo. And up until now, Overland has uh, Overland Expo has been running two events each year, one in the east and one in the west. But now, we just spotted, Overland Expo has added another venue. It's called Overland Expo Mountain West. It's August 28th to 30th next year, 2020, in Loveland, Colorado. So now you've got three choices. You've got Overland Expo West in Flagstaff, Arizona, coming up next year, May 15 to 17. Mountain West in Loveland, Colorado in August, August 28 to 30th, 2020. And then the East dates have yet to be announced um, for 2020. And I just got an email from Sam Manicom, who was at the East show that just ended um, just before we did this recording. And he said it was an absolute blast. He has nothing but great things to talk about. Anyway, your tickets are available online. Drop by the website and book your spot. You have to get your tickets online. You can't buy them at the gate. And you know what you could do? Maybe go to one farther away from you, and then you can build a whole adventure around it. You know, ride somewhere and plan, I don't know, maybe a BDR trip or something like that. End up at Overland Expo or, or the other way around. There's an idea. Anyway, make sure when you talk with them, you tell them that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. It's overlandexpo.com. You understand how important the connection is between your foot and your foot peg. You know it's your main contact point when standing. You know it helps improve your riding skills to replace those stock foot pegs with a quality aftermarket set of pegs. And I'll tell you from experience, IMS Products makes some incredible foot pegs. And you don't have to take it from me. You just have to look at the racers that run on IMS Products. They've got a full line, I'm talking IMS, has a full line of foot pegs from their ADV1 and 2, which are a large peg designed specifically for large adventure motorcycles, right on down in size to their core enduro style pegs. Extremely well-designed pegs, extremely tough, made in the USA, lifetime warranty. It's a no-brainer. IMSproducts.com. And please, anytime you're talking with them, mention that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. IMSproducts.com. If you're thinking about 2020 coming up and the adventures that you might plan or book, um, probably a good time to think. And 2020, can you believe that? I, I'm Honestly, I can't believe the number, the year. Anyway, for planning your 2020 motorcycle adventures, have a look at Moto Discovery. Moto Discovery is based out of Grand Junction, Colorado. They've been doing trips since 1981. It's a long time. And I think what impresses me most with the Moto Discovery philosophy 
is that they seek out lesser known places and offer small group experiences. Some of that um, only comes with a company that's done as many trips as what Moto Discovery has been doing. And for as long as they've been doing, what, 38 years or something? I think it's 38 years. Small groups means a more intimate experience. But what I want to highlight with you right now with Moto Discovery is their training. They've worked with Bill Dragu from Dart to develop a training program that they call Immersion Training. Now, apparently this program is extremely successful because this is the way they do it. They teach the skills and then they go out in the real world on an adventure and apply those those skills. And it's done in what they call a sort of a low testosterone environment, which I think we can all relate to what that means. And I think recognizing it and developing a training program around that philosophy um, says a lot about the program itself. They've got a training program they do in Moab. It's um, They only have three dates, by the way, for 2020. And remember, the group size is limited to 10 motorcycles, small groups. The trip is seven days, six nights. They cover 600 miles. So this is the immersion training here. They learn the skills and they go out and use those skills immediately afterwards. And I can remember um, well, quite some time ago now, but reading about um, learning and how we learn, the ways in which we learn. And one of the things that I, I read was that they said one of the ways that you retain more from what you learn is either doing it immediately after you learn it or telling someone else about it immediately after you learn it, which makes sense with this immersion training. So, hey, there's only three dates available, only 10 bikes per trip. Get over to their website, reserve a spot. And when you do it, make sure you tell them you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. It's motodiscovery.com. Let me jump back here just to the balance thing because you were talking about walking around. I think we sort of brushed over it very quickly. Walking around the bike and balancing it, that that gives you a sense for what the bike weighs and how it feels as it starts to go one way and then the other and you're balancing. And then when you started talking about getting on the bike, it, it gives you a better sense for when you're actually getting on it, that weight, that shift of the bike moving from one side to the other and what it takes to right the bike. That's all part of it, isn't it? It is. And, and one of the things we struggle with the most in communicating about the classes, we always say, Hey, you're going to learn more on a smaller, lighter bike. And people are like, oh, I, I don't ride smaller, lighter bikes. I'm, I'm, I'm going to ride this big, you know, adventure bike. And the, the thing about the adventure bike that it makes it, it's, it's difficult because it's so heavy and it's so massive that it actually masks a lot of what you as a rider are doing, you know, so you, you know, since it's mass is, is, a lot of times double of what ours is, you know, it takes a lot of energy to quote, knock it out of balance. But once it gets going, it's a little bit out of balance. Then it's fooling you thinking you're in balance. And then, and then once it goes too far, you don't have a chance in bringing it back. When you put yourself on a smaller, lighter bike, every movement that you make causes a reaction, you know, on the, on the, on the adventure bike, it's very slow, you know, it's, it's, it's slow to react. Yeah. And so, so people are saying, well, I, and we're not teaching you how to ride your bike. We're teaching you to become a better rider on whatever off-road bike you choose to ride. That's our, that's our goal. Mm, So I don't separate, I don't separate like, you know, dual sport bikes from adventure bikes in the classes. Sure. When we're doing drills and moving between locations and stuff, we have, may have a more advanced route and a more easier route. And it doesn't mean that if you're on an adventure bike, you don't get to do the more advanced route. It's based on your skill level. Because, you know, it, it, I don't use any different techniques between a smaller bike and a, and a larger bike when I'm riding. The techniques are the same. I'm just very aware of which machine I'm on and what its capabilities are. So, so that's, that kind of goes back to why the weight is so important and kind of understanding it 
And so when you're, when you're doing these drills, it's funny when you watch people, you know, do the balance thing, they knock their smaller, lighter dual sport bikes out of balance. You, you know, when they're, when they're holding it a lot quicker, cause it, it can get pretty far out of balance and you don't realize it, but at least you can pull it back. Mm-hmm. Not so on, on, you know, on a, on a bigger adventure bike. Well, and, and it makes and sense this, what you're saying too. The, the lighter bike gives you better feedback, right? And, and that's really what you're saying is so, so it makes more sense. Yes. I, I know there's a lot of people who will say, no, I want to learn to ride on my heavy bike. I can ride a light bike. That's not the point. We're talking about refining and, basic skills and getting that and, feedback from that lighter bike. Yeah. And so I always say it's kind of a myth, big bike riding techniques. That's a, that's a myth. It's, it's a, it's a marketing, it's a marketing saying, cause there's, there's, there's good riding techniques. And if you, you know, and all the guys you see a lot of times doing demonstrations or videos of doing crazy stuff on adventure bikes and the stuff that you probably shouldn't be doing, but you watch it anyways. <laughs> when you see, when you see that stuff, those guys all have a background in dirt bikes and, and, and doing crazy stuff on dirt bikes because it transfers over very well as long as you keep the bike in balance. You can, you can, I can do the craziest stuff you've ever seen on my adventure bike as long as it's in balance. But when something goes wrong or I exceed the performance limitations of the motorcycle, bad things happen very quick. So kind of being aware of all that stuff is, uh, is pretty vital. And, and so when we're talking about these drills, now we're getting on to like we're on the motorcycle and, and you you want to say, Hey, how critical is this balance? Well, most people want to put both feet down again, which I'm, I constantly say you're not allowed to, you want to balance with just one foot on the ground. And then when you watch someone just take off and leave, they need to get going right away. They need to, when they, when they take off, they need to go and get moving to five, 10, 15 miles an hour, depending on the person on the bike and you watch them and they literally wobble their way away from a stop because even when they're on the bike, they're not, the bike isn't balanced like it was when we were standing off to the side of it. Now it's leaning over to the side that I'm not telling them to put the one foot down. So it's, it's literally leaning, which, you know, out of balance, being out of balance is essentially initiating a turn. You know, if it's used, if being out of balance is used properly, you are initiating a turn. Like whatever direction that bike is leaning, that's the direction it wants to turn. Unless that, it's front to back. That makes sense. Uh, so, so, oh, well, that's the rider front to back. I was thinking balance, <laughs> the, like because we can balance oh, in, in all directions. Yeah, yeah. So, so but side to side. Yeah. Side so side, side right. to side. If you're, if you're, if you're, if you're, let's say you're going to go straight and you're leaning over a little bit to the side and you're, you've got your weight on your, your left foot a little bit and you go to take off, the bike's going to want to turn to the left. Yeah, it makes sense. And, and most riders, when they take off, they're leaning a little bit to the left or the right, right from the first rotation of the wheel. But when you're in, so if you're, if you, let's say you're going to take off and you're leaning a little bit to that side and you lift your foot up and don't go any place, you're going to fall over, right? Right. I don't want you to do that. I want you to be perfectly balanced. So when you lift that foot up, you sit there perfectly balanced and you don't have to take off. What happens if you're at that balance point and you, the bike does start to go over? I mean, gas can slosh. You can lose your balance, whatever the case is. And it starts to go towards the yep. foot that's up. Like when you're that balanced at the light. Then then luckily, you know, you're well, if you're really balanced, um, you are going to have quite a bit of time to get your other foot down. Mm-hmm. You know, and so this, this is what our, like I said, this is the next row we move on to is we call it crossing over the bike. But it's, it's, and when you do this, so instead of you think about it right now, one foot's on the ground and one foot's on the foot peg 
And, and even with shorter riders, that one foot may not actually be on the foot peg. You might be kind of on the crux of your leg, you know, it can't reach, but at some point you have to pick yourself up and you want to pick your foot up off the ground without upsetting the bike, get that foot peg, get that foot up onto the foot peg, make sure the other foot's on the foot peg. And then, and then at that point, let the bike tell you which side it's going to go to one side or the other. Um, it's uh, it's a lot easier on a big bike than it is on a small bike to do this because, like I said, it takes a little bit longer for it to to go. But if you start out out of balance and you lift that foot up, it's going to fall to to that side, and everybody's afraid of the other side. Mm-hmm. You know, the foot that's not down, like you just described. Everybody's afraid that it's going to fall over that way. But if you're if you're really in balance and you just lift that foot up, nothing nothing bad happens, and you have a lot of time to get that other foot down. Can, can and, we just, can we just go back here again here? So, so we did the walk around sure. and then you were talking about getting on the bike, but I noticed that you didn't talk about locking the handlebars. You didn't talk about using the front brake or anything like that. Is that because that's I, not the focus or is it just because we, we just brushed over? Oh, we, we absolutely brushed over it. So anytime you're on a motorcycle is especially, um, you know, when you're in awkward positions, like you're climbing on the bike, your hips, your shoulders and your handlebars should all be parallel, mostly the shoulders and the handlebars, but mm-hmm. the hips are pretty important in it too. So if, if you find that your, your bars are kind of turned to the other direction, you notice, you just think about it when you're visualizing this, your bars are turned the opposite direction of your, of your shoulders. You see how your arm gets locked out and it kind of points out and it's, it's straight, you, you know, that's mm-hmm. wrong. You, if you, but if you just turn the bars back parallel with your shoulders, all of a sudden you're not so stretched out. And again, shorter, smaller riders struggle with this a little bit more. Um, where you have to pay attention to that. So if, if it's a long reach over to the bars and a lot of times, like I said, when, when I'm talking about getting on that motorcycle, I'm off to the side of it, holding the handlebar and my other hand hasn't even touched the bars yet. And if you're doing it right, like I always said, you feel like you can let go of the handlebars. It's a perfect example. Mm -hmm. You you don't have to, you don't have to use the handlebars as a lever to control it. You're, you're, everything's so in balance that all of a sudden you're, you're going to, start using your handlebars for what they're for to control the throttle, the clutch and the brake. And we're talking you know, kickstand maybe, up here when, when you're getting on, because you've said oh, before yeah. that, you know, you, you don't believe that you should be having the kickstand down when you get on your motorcycle. Oh yeah. Yes. Because it's just, it's just a, it's a crutch. And if your kickstand is down, your bike's leaning on it, it's out of balance. And if you took it up and it falls over, you know, if you took it up and put it where it is, when the kickstand's down, it's going to fall over. And we never want, I don't want the bike to ever fall over. Mm-hmm. We don't, we don't, we don't, we don't clap when you tip over in the class and say, good try. We, you know, <laughs> kind of get upset. You know, we, we, we really focus on these, these kind of small things, but yeah, thanks for running back to that. So anytime you're on the bike, it's kind of one of those rules, hips, shoulders, handlebars should always be parallel. And if you think about it, if you take your hands off the handlebars and you start steering the bike with your feet and your bars magically turn like they do, you know, you can, you can initiate and control turns, you know, with just weight and thing, your hips and your shoulders and your handlebars will all stay parallel when you're doing that. Mm. Now you also mentioned, um, to me before, about when you get up on the, on the peg to get on your bike, you're swinging that leg over and it's going right to the peg. If, if you can reach it. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so like on my, on my adventure bike with a tall seat, I can't get all the way to the foot peg. You know, I have to, you know, I have to kind of stop and my, you know, my leg, my knee folds at the side of the seat and then I kind of hold it in that kind of crux of my knee. And, and ideally at, at that point, and a lot of times when I get on my bike, I literally, you know, I, 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 cause it's taller seat. I actually stand, I, I walk and stand on the foot peg and I start moving right away, mm-hmm. you know, as, as a, as a practical technique, but that's, there's a lot of skill and, and practice and confidence and balance in going that. Cause if it goes over to the other side, 
I mean, I'm going to have to use that, that momentum and inertia to kind of catch the balance. So I don't want it to get out of balance and I don't, I don't let it get out of balance. It feels so uncomfortable for, for me to have anything, me or my motorcycle out of balance. It's sending off red alarms all through my, all through my body. Uh, just like it sends off a red alarm when I see both feet come off the foot pegs <laughs> on, on another rider. Right. I, I, I like, I, I jokingly point at people when I see both their feet off and I'm like, ah, like that. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like screaming. Like I, I see they're going to crash and they're looking at me like, what's wrong? And I go, you're out of control. And they're like, no, I'm not. And it's like, yes, you are. <laughs> that, that practicing that practicing, putting both feet on the ground is practicing for a crash in our world. What about when you, um, now I know we're going off topic here, but I, I can't resist. <laughs> what about when you come to some mud? There's a lot of riders that are not comfortable enough standing up, going through the mud and they sit down and they paddle through. Right. Okay. So, so let's just say you're riding up to the mud (laughs) and you see the mud. I always say you should stop or slow down. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so, so don't stop in the mud. And we, I think we even touched about this when we were talking about the the difference between a more advanced rider and and a novice rider is the advanced rider slows down and gets in control before they get into the, the bad situation. The novice rider slows down into the situation and generally has a situation arise from that. You know, so, so my thing is slow down and stop. If you're uncomfortable and you don't feel with hundred percent certainty that you can ride through that mud comfortably and carefully stop and don't do it. it. It's, it's not worth a broken leg at that point to, to, to go. And if, if you're riding with panniers and you stick your legs out and you don't know which way that bike's going to fall, it's going to fall on your leg. It's, 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 it's like, it's kind of proven <laughs> that, that your pannier wants to eat your leg. And if your feet are off and if your feet are off and you go down, those things are coming after you and you, you can't get away from the bike at that point. So, and here's where, here's where that, that we, we kind of say this one speed novice, this, the novice can't ride slow because they're out of balance. Right, so, so they need if, the speed to the maintain mud, the balance to some degree. They, but they don't even know how much speed is too fast. Right. And, and, and you see, you see it all the time. You go in there and it just, you see the oscillation start or the, you know, the legs go out and then it's just pure luck. And a lot of it has to do with traction. You, you know, the, 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 the traction is going to help get you through. And if you're out of balance, your traction is not helping you. It's helping throw you off to the side. Well, well and it's so, momentum, isn't it? Cause you see this in videos a lot. You see people go through and water crossings are very common. You see people go, they're just going too oh, fast. It, and, and yeah, yeah it's, it's, they, I, 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 I'm petrified when I watch that stuff. Cause I'm like, ah, you, cause I can see them. I can see how out of balance they are before they enter. And yeah. water crossings are very, very tricky because it's like, it's like riding into a field of bowling balls that you can't necessarily see. You don't know how slippery they are. And so a little bit of speed and momentum will help. But if you don't know how much speed and momentum will help, uh, is faster better? Just means you're going to go down harder. <laughs> yeah. How hard do you want it crash? Yeah. Yeah. And it goes right back to what you're saying right from the start, though. It's about being in balance because if you're in balance, yeah. you can you can afford the time to slow down and pick your way through to some degree. I mean, obviously, momentum always has uh, a play in this and, it, and momentum, you use it a lot, but you've got to be balanced sure. the whole time. Yeah. And, and if, if but if you're balanced and using your momentum, you're going to have a much better trajectory of where you're going to go and, and you can control it. Like if you're, if you're, if you're out of balance and you hit something, if you hit something and that amplifies the out of balance thing, that's bad. If you hit something that corrects the out of balance thing, that's good. But that's all of a sudden you're relying on luck and I don't necessarily believe in luck. <laughs> I think that I, I think that uh, it has a lot to do with just, you know, your skill set and how you've kind of built that skill set. And, and when you hit that thing, 
But by golly, you'd better have very good quick reactions and reactions in the right way. And you want to have at that point, you want to have all your uh, all your influences, you know, so your feet on the foot pegs, your, you know, your ability to kind of to shift your weight to correct for whatever, just kind of try to knock you the right or the wrong way and or, you know, give a jerk on the handlebars because at that point. A tug on the handlebars is your, is your best leverage point. You know, you're going to knock yourself, you know, you're going to get thrown out of balance and then you're going to try to correct it. And then you're going to tug on the bars, you, you know, at the same time to, to fix it. Mm-hmm. And, and if you, if you're, if you're already tugging on the bars or the bars are crooked and going a different direction than where you're going, um, you're already two steps behind. So why not start? And that's why I say stop, make sure you're in perfect balance and then just ride nice and slow through the through the mud or the sand or whatever the, the, the traction situation is, uh, in, in a balanced and controlled manner. Now that's not to say that it's the, the sand or the mud isn't going to kind of move you around and, 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 and knock you and do funny stuff. But at least this way you have all of your, uh, facilities about you to try to control as much as possible. And hopefully you're going slow enough to where something really goes wrong. You just stop again, as opposed to ride it into the ground. So where do we go from here? We, we've we've got up on the bike, we've swung our leg over, we're aiming for that opposite peg. And, and you were mentioning that once you get up there on both pegs, you should be in a, in a position where you're balanced and prepared to go either way off of one side or the other of the bike. And, Correct. And I, I'm assuming what you're saying here is there's a hip shift there and and a stab or a dab of a, of a foot or possibly just putting your foot down to stop the bike. Where do we go next? Well, at, at that point, hopefully, hopefully you're so good at this. You just stand right up in the foot pegs and stand there in a, in a perfect track stand without having to, to, you know, to twist and do all the tricks to make a track stand work. But hopefully you just, you just go right onto the motorcycle and you stand up and you're just standing there going, wow, I'm in balance. And it, and believe me, that rarely ever happens. But what's funny is when we're doing this in the school and I have people do it, sometimes you just see them kind of struggling. And so I, I, you know, walk over and you, I, I'll balance the bike for you. I'll go stand up you know, get on the bike or maybe just sit down and I'll balance the bike for you. And I'll start talking to him and I start literally shaking the bike and then I go stand up and sit down and stand up. And then we get into the, is my handlebar position right? And what is my body position right? And it's like, well, you were standing up perfect over there when you were standing there talking to your friend, stand just like that on your motorcycle. Of course, you're not going any place because at that point you have to kind of anticipate. And this is where it gets, you know, any, anything you do on the motorcycle, you want to anticipate what's going to go on. But I just have them stand there. And it's funny is after a few seconds of talking to them, they're perfectly balanced because they quit thinking about it. And they may be standing on the pegs and like, you know, they're thinking about where they're going to put their hands or, or I'm saying, Hey, take your hands and put them out to your side and do this. And you get them quit thinking about the balance and just naturally they are balanced again. And because they quit thinking about it. So your body's really good at wanting to stay in balance. That's a lot to do with side to side. We've talked about now that just there, you've started talking about total balance. Yep. What about body position and balance? Like what sort of feeling or how do you describe that to people getting themselves in balance front to back? So when we're, so we'll side to side when you're stationary, side to side is really important. At that point, if you're going zero miles an hour, there, there isn't really any front to back that's, that's working on you yet. I mean, it's, it's really rare that you're just standing up and you fall forward or fall backwards on, you know, on the motorcycle. Right. Right. And side to side gives you that feedback where, you know, when you're out of balance, like, I mean, if, if you're standing up and it's starting to go to one side, well, obviously it's balanced, but, but not so much front to back. Yeah. Hence, hence the, that balance board we talked about in the, in the beginning, that's the side to side thing. And that's why we use it to kind of break that down. And once you go onto the foot pegs, all of a sudden you're, instead of using your heels and your toes on the ground, 
you know, what you're used to, all of a sudden now you're on a foot peg. And so you've got to find the proper position on that foot peg to make it easy to balance. Of course, everybody here is get on the balls of your feet and ride in that attack position. Uh, I don't think you want to ride and quote an attack position all day in adventure. I don't want you to be comfortable. So you've got to find that balance point forward to backwards so you can stand up and you're not having to use the handlebars to stabilize you forward to back. And, and then here's where the, you know, the body position comes in and, and, um, has been this, uh, really, uh, uh, you know, kind of one of the topics on the adventure rider stuff is like, are my bars high enough? And most of a lot of people overshoot with the high bars because they go, they go to the dealer or they put their bike on the center stand and they stand up and they reach down for the handlebars and they go, look, they're too short. But when you're riding, you're usually going forward and you're kind of, you know, you're kind of accelerating and then, you know, uh, the body position gets all cattywampus when your bars are too high because it, it lean, makes you lean back and then you're falling off the back of the motorcycle and maybe your pelvis starts going forward or you compensate in the opposite direction by bending your knees and squatting down and then you're riding in a horrible squatty position. So, so, you know, the forward to backward balance is, is oftentimes it's compensated for with the handlebars and most riders are not loose on their handlebars. They literally death grip them and maybe the number one, and this is something a lot of people could take away when people hop on their motorcycle and they, they, they sit down and then they clamp on the handlebars and then they try to stand up without ever regripping. They try to operate the throttle without ever regripping the throttle because they're, they're hanging on to that handlebar so tight, which is a, a very big problem, um, with a lot of riders. So would we continue on when it comes to balance or would you have them practice steps within this? What, what you've just talked about? Uh, we have them, we basically have them you know, a lot of times it's just crossing over the bike in the beginning without actually going to a standing position. So you, 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 you get it, you know, you, you get it to where you're sitting and then you put one foot down and then you try to pick that foot up and then put the other foot down. So you pick the foot off the ground onto the foot peg, the other foot peg off and back onto the ground. So in other words, you're going to have this moment of balance and you want that moment of balance to get longer and longer, you know, as you get more comfortable with it. And it's just, it's just teaching yourself that feeling. Then you go to doing it to where you're, you're sitting on the bike up into a standing position. So instead of going to a sitting position, you're going straight up into a standing position. And then the bike will say, Hey, we're going to go to this side or that side. And, and, and it's actually harder to do than, you know, when you're riding, because if you can go. So, and sometimes when we're doing this, the next evolution is we pretend having people push off. So it's almost like they're, they're on a skateboard, essentially kind of pushing off with the one foot that's on the ground and then pushing themselves straight up into a standing position and pretending that you're going to go right away. At that point, you'd release the clutch and, you know, give it a little gas. So you would ride away, but we're not doing that yet. It's just this go. And the funny thing about that is when you watch people in low traction situations, specifically sand or mud, and you watch them take off, they're plopped down on the seat, all their weights on the bike, and then they twist the throttle and let go of the clutch. And the bike initially wants to go down, not forward. But if you just sit on your bike and you rock forward and pretend like you're going to push off, the bike actually wants to go. So you're giving it, you know, whatever your weight is, a 200 pound head start just by rocking forward and pushing forward. And the funny thing is you do not want to, and just walking around, you don't want to knock yourself out of balance. So just the way that you push off, the way you take a step, um, you want to teach yourself because you do it all day long when you're walking around, you want to teach yourself that kind of proper balance step while you're taking off on your motorcycle. And so from the first rotation of the wheel, you're in balance and ready to, you know, attack, conquer, ride through whatever's in front of you 
in starting out in balance as opposed to starting out out of balance. And that's what all this stuff revolves around so that as you're riding, when you're going 10 miles an hour, 20, 30, 50, you have a sense of feeling what is balanced and what is out of balance. And, and you know, you know what feels comfortable because for me, when I feel a little bit out of balance, I'm very uncomfortable. And you should be right. I mean, if, if you're not picking up on that, that you haven't honed your skills enough. You're missing out on the very first, most important thing. It rolls back to, this is how we work on, you know, the very, very basics of, of stuff to make it so that when you're doing the other stuff and we have to do this in the beginning, because if I try to teach you how to do anything else and you, you're, you're starting out of balance, it's like, it's like, you know, closing your eyes or like not breathing. It's that critical. It's foundation, isn't it? I mean, if you don't have a foundation, you can't build on it. Right. Right. And, 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 and even when, you know, a lot of times when I start working with guys that are really good riders, um, a lot of times they're faster and better riders. I mean, I have to prove to them that they're out of balance slightly and they don't, they don't get it because it doesn't, they're never going to go that slow. And I go, I don't want you to go that slow. I just want you to feel this, Mm. you know? So when you, so when you go really fast, you feel this because it's the same thing. How much time do you spend on this when you, when you have someone come to a class and they're, they're going to do the walk around the bike and the balance and then getting on and trying to balance the bike from the moment they get up on the pegs? How much time, how, how much practice? I'll bet you we're, we're, we're into the class, uh, like two to two and a half hours before we're actually, you know, out riding. Hmm. That gives them enough, at least of a, a start for them to understand the concept and feel the rewards of, of a little bit of practice. Oh, it, it, it's, it's probably one of the, the, the biggest thing is they feel right away. You know, you just, you, you notice it, but it gives them more of a toolkit, something to, something to take away. Cause our class, like we don't have different classes. We have people come back four and five times and they say, every time we come back to the class, it's like a whole new class. Even though we largely go through the same, the same drills, we have lots of little sub drills that we break into depending on how the class is evolving. Mm-hmm. But you know, it gives you, it gives you a something to, to a, be able to go and practice and you can practice this in your garage. You can practice it out in your front lawn, wherever, wherever you want to. You can practice anytime you come to a stoplight, you know, on the street when you're riding. Well, I guess for an exercise, it's pretty self-explanatory because it's a fairly basic procedure. It's the balance of the bike and walk around and then getting on the bike. Do you just want to walk through those for the, for the person who wants to try it at home? Yeah, sure. So, so, um, I, I, I'm pretty sure someplace on online <laughs> we have, I have a, there's a YouTube video of me kind of um, doing this someplace. Uh, so it's, it's essentially just, you know, take your bike off the center stand, stand next to the side of it, holding the grip or the hand guard or whatever you have, get your bike balanced. So, you know, and use your whole hand to begin with and just, you know, get it balanced to where you feel like you can let go for a moment, just literally let go of the bike and, and then grab it. And then, you know, maybe move, you know, you at the same time, move a little bit, you know, just walk, you know, side to side, just so you're keeping your bike balanced and realize if you get it really balanced, it's going to stay there for a long time before it'll take a long time before it goes, you know, one side to the other and just realizing that. So that's kind of step one. And then, you know, step two is, you know, getting onto your motorcycle. It's, it's, you're holding it there and now figure out how can I get onto this motorcycle and, and cause you're going to do this ballet move and then, and get onto it without upsetting the balance of the motorcycle so you're not, you're not using the motorcycle to climb onto it. You're, you're placing your weight onto the motorcycle and then transitioning onto the bike while keeping everything you and the motorcycle balanced. So that's kind of, that's kind of step one. So break that down though. Um, uh, just, 
you know, you're, you're going to do it. You know, you can look at it. I've seen people kind of describe it as a karate kick where you're standing, you know, off to the side of the bike. I'm thinking and you right from pivot. the start. So, so when you walk oh. up to your bike off the stand, yeah. bars locked, that sort so, of thing. So, uh, well, the bars are wherever the bars are, but I'm going to make, I'm going to turn the bars and, you know, generally if they're, if I actually, I actually don't really, me personally, I don't really turn the bars. They're wherever they're at. I usually walk up, grab the hand, grab the grip, you know, lift the bike off the stand, kick it, you know, kick the stand, the stands up. And then, and then I usually, and I think about it, I take a step away from the bike, you know, it, cause the bike's perfectly balanced. And then I kind of throw my leg up over, you know, onto the, onto the bike. And, it, and at that point I'm going to come into parallel with the handlebars in that maneuver. Okay. You know, so, so as I throw my leg over, I'm going to be square with the handlebars. The handlebars are probably, you know, kind of square with the bike. And then my foot goes from two feet on the ground to one foot on the ground. And the foot that goes up over the motorcycle, I'm, I'm working my way over to that foot peg. And generally the foot goes onto the foot peg and then everything's still, you know, perfectly in balance. And then I'm ready to, to take off. I have one foot on the ground, one foot of the foot peg and that foot on the ground at that point would be ready to, you know, push off if, if needed, or it can hold me in balance or, you know, if we're, if we're in this doing the drill at that point, I want to be able to pick that foot up off the ground and just be sitting there, you know, perfectly in balance and then maybe stand up on the foot pegs. And so now we're, we're in that, that crossing over the bike phase where we're just learning how to keep everything in balance. Now, when you're doing that, do you have the rider with, with the bike in gear and clutch in so they're ready to pull away once they sit up on their foot pegs and, and maintain balance uh, for a second? At, at this point, we're not even worried about the, the that. And generally, this is best done on level ground to mm-hmm. start with. Um, so you don't have to worry about anything. The bike's not really going to roll away or do anything. We're just, it's really just a focus on pure, just keeping everything in balance. You in balance, the bike in balance. So that's the, that's the the key to it, right? I mean, that's that's what you're saying with this exercise yes. Yes. is that you've got to stand there and figure out which foot am I going to have to put down, dictated by the balance, the loss of balance. It's it's very instinctive. Your body knows which way it's going to go down, and it wants to put that foot down. But for some reason, we hop on a motorcycle, and then people think it's best to stick both legs out, which for a tall rider can work. But it's a lot better to just put one foot down, you know, identify that side and put the side because when you're in motion all of a sudden now, when start bad things may or may not start happening, if you go to that both feet out, you're now out of control. You're part of the problem. But if you just take one foot down, that that would allow you the ability to to do a dab, you know, which is also something that we teach. We mostly teach, you know, dabbing as as a way to learn how to get disconnected from your motorcycle without knocking it out of balance. But it is, you know, we like to practice doing it properly. And you think about it, let's just say you're walking and you trip, you don't put your foot out to the side or you don't put your foot behind you. You put your foot out in front of you, you know, to kind of catch your balance. Mm -hmm. But think about where people put their feet down when they dab on the motorcycle. It's always off to the side or sometimes they put them straight down. And by the time it hits the ground, it's behind them. Yeah. What's the next thing that hits the ground? Your knee. Your chin. Yeah, <laughs> your, your chin. Yeah. chin. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so it, 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 a lot of the stuff that, we, that when we're teaching this, a lot of it is just, it's, it's just taking stuff that you do very naturally all the time, just in normal day to day, walking around, running, things like that. And, and explaining it in a, you know, now all of a sudden we're on a motorcycle and here's how these exact same techniques still work. You know, all of the, you know, it's, it's, it's instinctive, but now we've got a set of handlebars in our hand and we throw everything out the window. 
we all of a sudden you feel since I can grip onto these handlebars, I can stick both my legs out and I still kind of have control of this bike, which is a myth. Well, and what everyone does is speed. Everyone gets on and thinks if I can ride fast, look at me, I can stay up and I'm doing great. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> not so at all. Once they yeah, mastered this, these, the, the basic balance, I mean, basically you can do anything at that point. You can jump the bike, you can spin around. I mean, everything comes from that. Uh, you're, you're, <laughs> in, you're, you're in a way, you're in a way better place to do anything you just described. Right. Um, it's just, it's a better, it's a better starting point. And it's, it's in, and we've, in our class, our school has evolved quite a, quite a, quite a lot since the beginning. And we, we keep on finding more and more ways to focus on balance and to, to, uh, every one of our drills has some sort of a balance aspect built into it that a lot of times we don't really even explain because it's instinctive, but then we explain it, you know, after we're done doing the drill, it's like, you know how we made you do this and like, yeah. And like, that's the balance part of it. And that's why it's so critical, which a lot of the stuff it involves going very slow or stopping because this is going to amplify the, the proper balance. You can't mask, you can't mask the out of balance with speed and momentum. So it, it shows up and then you, and then you carry that on as you start learning how to do things, um, with speed and momentum. So you're doing it safely in control and most of all being very comfortable when you, when you kind of continue on. Right. And as you said that if you're using your speed to, um, to mask balance, then you're out of control. Uh, it's going to happen. Yeah. 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 It, it, it'll, it'll happen. And, and, and you, you just, like I said, if you're riding tense and uncomfortable, number one, it, it's tiring, it's exhausting mentally and physically, and and you're never going to learn how to comfortably go faster, comfortably more, be a more efficient rider mm. uh, because you're 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 tense. So you you've got to, and they they say slow down to go faster. It's absolutely true, and you're not slowing down and then you know all of a sudden going to going to go faster. You're going to slow down and stay comfortable, and then you, your your comfortable speed will increase comfortably as, as opposed to increase through tension. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just gonna, you know, you're going to take literally baby steps. And after you've taken 20 baby steps, well, it's one big step and you may not feel it cause you had to take those, those 20 baby steps, but you know, somebody will notice it's like, Hey, you're one big step better as a rider. Mm-hmm. And, and we, we, we get that a lot of time. And I can tell, especially when students have, have gone away and actually practice this stuff and they come back, you know, I, I remember them and I go, wow, I can tell you practice. And then we have other ones that come back because they think it's a, they, it's a good fun time. The class is enjoyable. And it's like, eh, you weren't practicing too much. <laughs> so, cause all of this stuff, everything, everything does require some, you know, some practice. If you really want to get better and you want to make your riding easier and more enjoyable, you're going to have to take some time to, to practice it. And that may just be going and riding, but having some things to work on when you're riding, um, you know, makes it so that you can, you, you'll start improving. Okay. Um, now I know we've went sort of long on this, but I want to throw this one at you, Jimmy. I just want to ask you this question because it came up as, as a thought process because it has to do with balancing the bike. You run into a situation where maybe somebody has a problem. They've either went down with their bike, they've got stuck with their bike or whatever. They need help getting their bike going, getting it moving. What do you find the best way is, the best position to put yourself in to assist with helping to push their bike and still keep things in balance because one person has to work the throttle, the clutch. I'm, I'm assuming you're using the engine power to, to move the motorcycle out. Where, where are you best to be? If, if it in, in my world and, and everything, everything I teach and say is very idealized. It's just, it's a, it's a good basis to work on stuff. But in my world, if you need another person to push you or pull you, you shouldn't be riding there. 
you're, you're, you've, you've gone beyond where your skill level is, is comfortable and safe to do. If, if that makes sense. Cause I, I, like I said, when, when I look at something let's say it's an uphill or let's say I look at a downhill, if I don't know with a hundred percent certainty that I can safely do that, you know, in balance, in control, I don't, I don't do it, especially on the, on a big adventure bike. Cause it's, it, it's expensive when they tip over and it hurts when they fall on you. So, um, it, it tells me I need to go back and practice some skill sets so that I can get myself through this you know, comfortably. That's not to say that when you're, you're out on a, out on a ride and the road got washed out and you're going to have to kind of cross some sort of crazy gully. Um, you know, for me personally, I look at that and I go, I look at my bike and I go, I'm going to have to unload my luggage and carry it across this and then, you know, ride my bike through it. Maybe that's the difference. Or if it does take, you know, a group of people to, 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 to push or pull, um, I just, just, all of that, that now we're in what I call recovery mode. You know, you're pulling the winch out and, and, you know, you're airing down the tires and you're doing kinds of crazy stuff that's out of, out of the norm. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we all, we all expect that kind of stuff to maybe happen, but I would hope that your skill set is, is improved. And, you know, if, and, it, and I always think if somebody else can do it, then I can do it too. So let your other friend do it first. <laughs> 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 right. No, 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 no. You're a better rider. Uh, send them through the river first. <laughs> right. We've heard, we've heard this before on this show from other instructors. So that just goes to show that, you know, yeah, a yeah, lot the, of you the, think the, alike. The, yeah. The instructor. Yeah, exactly. Cause there's some stuff that it is, it is a little bit of a mystery and a gamble. And it's like, how many, how much chances are you willing to take? I mean, just hopping on your motorcycle and riding it for a lot of people is, is kind of a, a dangerous and I don't feel that way or I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily do it that much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, yeah. Jimmy, th- this has been great information. I really appreciate you coming on the show and, and I had a lot of fun talking with you. Thank you very much. Yeah, I appreciate it. I'm, uh, thanks for uh, having me on. And uh, the funny thing is we do this, we balance ourselves all day long. Why not keep doing it on your motorcycle? So, okay, so for practice at home, Jimmy's exercise is sort of two-part. The first one is that walk around with your bike, balancing it with your fingers as you move around it. You take it up off the kickstand, you get the bike to balance, you sort of balance it there, and you walk your way around. You've probably seen this done before. Get comfortable standing beside the bike and balancing it just with a very slight movement or very slight touch to it feeling those subtle shifts in weight as you try to keep the bike in balance. And as Jimmy said, this uses all of your balance skills. Even though you're not on the bike, you're still going to have to work at keeping the bike in balance and your body at the same time. Then, after you've done that for a while, the next maneuver is to sit on your bike with one foot down, the other foot on the opposite side on the foot peg, just like you would at a stoplight. You should at a stoplight. You shouldn't be using two feet. Then you um, balance the bike as you lift that foot up And so you momentarily have both feet on the pegs, balance there as long as you can, and then put the opposite side down, the opposite foot down. And you're going back and forth, just one side to the other, and trying to make it longer and longer periods of time where the bike is balanced in the middle. Now, remember that balance can be improved. Like, you're actually improving your balance. You're changing something physically in your body and improving your balance. 
And as he said, to learn what it feels like to be in balance and then out of balance and to master that finite movement, those subtle feelings of balance shift and just how much energy it takes to correct them and keep the bike in control. Very subtle thing, but you can do it all the time and always be building your balance skills, building all skills into muscle memory. So you don't have to think about it when you're out there. That's what Jimmy was talking about on today's episode, building your foundational skills, this one being balance. Now, if you're interested in a little more detailed explanation of what balance is and how it works, it's actually quite interesting. Our producer, Elizabeth, did a write-up on it just to sort of break it down. And it's in the show notes for this episode to explain what's happening with balance. It's kind of interesting. It gives you a different perspective of what we're talking about. Well, today I'm speaking with Jimmy Lewis from his training center in Nevada. You can find out more about what Jimmy offers at his website, jimmylewisoffroad.com. And that link, of course, and a lot more is in the show notes for this episode. I just want to remind you that this episode has been brought to you in part by Max BMW Motorcycles at www.maxbmw.com. Also, Best Rest Products at www.cyclepump.com. Green Chili Adventure Gear at greenchiliadv.com. And Moto Breeze Chain Oilers at motobreeze.com. Hey, you do us a great favor. If anytime you're dealing with these companies, anytime you see them anywhere, you mention that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. up another episode of adventure rider radio and we sure hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we did making it special thanks to our producer elizabeth martin and to you the listener thank you very much remember you can listen to all of our episodes well you can listen to them anywhere where you find podcasts but of course they're all on our website we've got a bunch more things on the website in the show notes for each episode um, it's a place for you to put your comments there's more information about what we've been talking about sometimes there's articles and photographs that haven't been seen before so drop by have a look and let us know what you think we'd love to hear from you Also, we need your support. The show is built on a model of some advertising and listener support to make the whole thing work. So drop by, click on the support button. Anything $10 or more gets you a sticker sent at you. Anything $50 or more gets you mentioned on our Raw show. Have a look at what we've got. We'd love to get you as a patron supporter, which is a monthly supporter as well. Anyway, time to get out there and ride your bike. Thank you very much for listening. I really appreciate your time. My name is Jim Martin. Talk to you next week. This is Elspeth Beard, and you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. (laughs) 